helpful for those that work with preschool and RSK and all of our little ones. It means a lot to us. So uh, shameless plug, if you're interested in serving in the nursery, you can reach out to Christine at cberry at rockofgrace.org. <laughs> Um, <laughs> did, I, did I nail that? I didn't even rehearse that. I just nailed it, Paula. Did you see that? Just looks like a commercial. All right. No, uh, we're going to go into our offering right now and uh, then the word. I, there's such an awesome presence of God here this morning and uh, just want to uh, steward that well. So uh, if you could just bow your heads and let's pray over this offering. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to give. Lord, we truly see it as an act of worship like your word teaches us that it is. So God, we give you our tithes and our offering, our first 10% of our income, it goes to you and to you alone. And God, we thank you for the ministries that follow God as we're faithful. Lord, the caring for the orphan, the widow, the poor, and God, for the ministry of the word. God, we just thank you for every faithful giver. We ask that uh, you would just bless them just like your word promises that you would. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Oh, man. I've been so enjoying um, this sermon series about faith, about launching into the unknown. Give me just a little nod of your head if you felt challenged at all by Simon Peter. Yeah, awesome. About, about Abraham's story. You know, and we're going to talk a little bit about more about that today. I want to always uh, just do a quick minute recap of what we've been learning uh, so far about the law of love. Let's put up that first slide about the law of love that Jesse taught about a couple weeks ago. It starts with surrender to God. It, it, we just talked about this in worship. It starts with saying yes to God and no to our old way of life and that God is concerned more with your faithfulness than you looking successful at work or successful at something, but that you're faithful to become the person God is shaping you to be and to do the things God's asking you to do. That's what we've been talking about, right? That there's things in life that God's going to ask you to do. There's things God's going to uh, ask the Medormas to do. He's not going to ask the Beals to do. There's things gonna, he's going to ask the Neuschlers to do. He's not going to ask the Beals to do because every person is a steward. We've been talking about that. There are moments when we need to burn the ships, right, of our past and say yes to the new things God is taking us into. And we often don't step into God's plan A because we're holding on to plan B as an option. But we've got to say yes to God and go for it. Our key scripture for the month comes from Philippians 3. Uh, maybe we all read this together, if you don't mind. Can we all read this together? This is our, our key verse for this whole month. Brothers, I do not consider myself perfect, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now it's a mouthful but God is calling you heavenward. Amen? God's calling you heavenward in Christ Jesus. And in Christ Jesus, you are a new creation. I want to say it like this. I said this last week, and I'll repeat this, that faith always involves action. It's leaving what you know and saying yes to God's voice 
It's saying yes to God's voice, to believe and to go into what he's asking you to do. Sometimes that's a small thing at work, right? Sometimes that's, uh, like I was talking with the, the Brownleys a couple weeks ago, it's, it's leaning into one, one of the rooms at the hospital and praying and praying for that patient. Sometimes it's a client. Sometimes it's a coworker. But there's moments when the Holy Spirit will say, go share your testimony with them. Go pray for them, right? And it's saying yes to that, right? I, today I want to put it in the frame of a story. How many guys just love a good story? Well, I'm not going to tell you one. Maybe I'll tell you a couple. But God's story is what we get to live in. Okay, let me say it again. We, we often, even as Christians, even those who, of us who accepted Christ 10 years ago or 20 years ago, sometimes we think we're still writing our own story. And, and sadly, we're, we're, we think we're the lead character. And we forget that Jesus has the lead role. And that we find our greatest joy in being the supporting cast. That's a great spot for an amen. Let me say it again. I want to give you another chance. You find your greatest joy when you realize Jesus is the lead role and you're the supporting cast. I'm telling you, because you'll buy into the lie if you're not careful, you'll think, well, my life is about me. I want to talk about me. You want to talk about that? Any country music fans out there, I'll, I forgive you. <laughs> Some of you got Toby Keith on repeat, and you need to come to the altar. It's okay. God loves you too. Just kidding. God's story is beautiful. It's this big, amazing narrative and you and I get to play a role in it. Think about that. You know, I don't have this in my sermon. I, I wasn't in, um, what do they call that in high school, drama club? Has, if, was anybody in drama? Just, just raise your hand real quick. You, you know if you were in drama because they just went like this. <laughs> who, who, <laughs> who was in drama? Come on, raise your hand. Let me see. There's only like five of you. Y'all are lying. One more time. Raise, don't lie in church of all places. If you were in, it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's a beautiful thing, it's, right? It's the arts. Raise your hand if you were in drama. I knew, you, I knew some of you guys were lying. I forgive you too. All right, so there's about 15 of you. I guarantee there were times you wanted the lead role. Not at me if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But we all do that, and the thing is, Jesus is the lead role. And I don't know about you, but I want to, I can't wait to enter heaven and hear Jesus say, well done and good, good and faithful servant. And, and give me that crown of glory, not so I can wear it around and be like, look at this crown. No, so I can lay it down at his feet. Because he has the lead role. I want to be a faithful servant. I want to tell you the same way, this is how you become a faithful servant, is following the voice of the Spirit. Listen to this. The same way. The disciples followed Jesus. 
is the same way you and I follow the Holy Spirit. I was praying through this and thinking, how do I condense this into one line? How do I make this sink in? Listen to this. The same way. Can we all say this? Because if you forget the rest of the sermon, don't forget this, this part of the intro here. Can everybody say this with me. The same way the disciples followed Jesus is the same way you and I follow the Holy Spirit. And if you don't believe me, you can read later in John 14 through 17. He's like, look, I'm giving you the spirit. He's going to remind you of everything I've said so that my love's going to be in you. Your love's going to be me. We're going to be one. And you're going to go into this thing called faithful obedience and family building. Family building. We talked about Abraham last week. I want to quickly tell you about Zacchaeus. I, I had more and I had to just take it out for the sake of time. But I just want to quickly tell you about Zacchaeus. How many remember Zacchaeus? Was a wee little man, a wee little man was he? Come on. Climbed up in a sycamore tree. Come on. How many remember the flannel board? <laughs> little Zacchaeus just falls straight off. <laughs> oh, man, technology was bad back then, you know. Well, Zacchaeus died. All right, let's put him back up. Um, <laughs> anybody in church that long? Okay. Does anybody, remember, does anybody remember the projector and the church lady with the fingernails? Slide it on over. <laughs> Looks like a dragon's coming out to you. Sorry, ADD. All right. What was I saying? Zacchaeus. He is stealing from people forever. He's literally lining his pockets on the backs of not just the middle class, but the poor. I mean, this dude is hated. And Jesus says, I see your interest in the kingdom of God. I, I'm going to come to your house. By the way, I do invite myself to people's house sometimes, and I'm following Jesus' footsteps. Come on. So if I ever do that to you, many of you I have, I'm like, hey, you want to have dinner? Your place? Thumbs up. That's a lot, a lot of my texts go. <laughs> Some of you are laughing because I've done that to you. But I, Zacchaeus, Jesus, I'm coming to your house, and I want to be your friend. Now, does anybody remember what happened? If, you, if you've read this, and if maybe if you're new to Christianity or haven't read this, I want to tell you what happened. He has this party with Jesus. We don't know what all they discuss, but I just know this. What the Bible tells us, what the gospel says, is Zacchaeus comes out of the house and his heart is so convicted, hear me, not by the rules of Jesus, but the friendship of Jesus. Because it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Come on. He's so moved by the eyes of fire, by the look of Jesus, that he gives away all his money and more than what he stole. How many would say that's called being born again? I mean, that's an encounter, right? He leaves everything behind. That's the radical obedience we're talking about. And God put that word in, in Donna and Noel as we entered the new year. They both shared with me that God's taking a, a rock of grace into a radical obedience, a full surrender. And I said, come on, you're preaching my sermon. Not even knowing what this month was going to be about. Listen to this. God wants that radical obedience. Because Zacchaeus experienced radical grace, he gave away radical grace. Because he realized God was incredibly generous to him with grace, he was incredibly generous with his finances, with grace, with friendship. He just became giving. 
giving. Everybody just hold your hands out like this. Right? Giving. Because you say, God, my life, my home, it's not mine. It's yours. And Zacchaeus realized this in one dinner with Jesus. Remember we said about Gideon? You are one encounter with God away from an entirely different life. Amen? Remember Abraham? We talked about him last week. Here's what I want you to get this week. This is about to get so good. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's about to get good. Here we go. We talked about Abraham. We talked about the faith that he had to pick up his tent, all of his agriculture, all of, all of the all, and get up and move in faith. But hear this, it was for a generational blessing. Don't miss this. God's blessing is always meant to be generational. God's blessing is never meant to stop with you. It's meant to be multiplied. Thank you, Donna. Let's try it again. Let's get everybody. Here we go. Here we go. Let's get everybody on this one. Everybody, everybody shout. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, get ready to shout amen. Come on, just tell him. Say, he needs it this morning. Just do it out of pity, really. Okay. God's, ble God's blessing is always meant to be generational. God's, that was, pre that was too early. You weren't ready yet. I'm not ready yet, sir. I don't know who that was. But you got to wait till the slide is over. God's blessing is never meant to stop with you. It's meant to be multiplied. Woo, there, now you go. There we go. That was great. I'm going to preach better. The louder you are, the shorter I preach. You guys are going to get out of here at 10. Uh, it's already 10.35. That didn't make any sense. But anyway, I, I had this beautiful moment before service started. Going around and checking things, checking the slides and talking with people and chatting and doing things. And I walked to the hallway and Lucas, my little, my little guy, our little foster guy, he gets set down by my daughter and he goes, Dad, and he runs to me and puts his arms around me. Look, I like you guys, but not as much as him. I'm just telling you. I mean, I, you make my day seeing you, carry. I love you. Not as much as Lucas. I love you, though. But I, that made my day, and the Holy Spirit said, look at your dad's text. So I'll go back to my dad's text. He just texted, like, you know the Holy Spirit will go, Psst. right? We talked about that last week or two weeks ago. Uh, Holy Spirit's not always like this shout, like this thunder, you know. Sometimes it's just, hey. And so I opened my dad's text, and there it is. He says, I'm proud of you, son. I love you. And I'm holding Lucas saying, oh, I love you. Come on. God's blessing is meant to be generational, multiplied, passed down. It's not meant to stop with you. Everybody stand up on your feet. Make sure you're getting this in your spirit. Come on. Put your hand in your heart and say this. Say this. God's blessing is not going to stop with me. Come on. Say it again. God's blessing is not going to stop with me. High five your neighbor and sit down because I think you're getting it now. Here we go. Look at 1 Corinthians. Some of you think I'm near done. Listen, that was halftime. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Some of you are picking up your purse. Here we go. I won't call you out. I won't call you out. 1 Corinthians 4, you should see what I see on a Sunday, you know. It's really pretty funny. By the way, some of you that pick your nose in the back, I see you. You don't know I see you. But I do. All right, 1 Corinthians 4, 
I'm writing this not to shame you, because he's correcting them. We don't have time to go through the whole thing. But he says this, to warn you as my dear children, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, my son. Everybody say, my son. For this reason, I sent Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful to the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus. I always love how Paul says, in Christ Jesus, because he is, he is identified only with Christ Jesus. He says, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Now, is he being uh, arrogant there? No, absolutely not. Is he being uh, demanding there? No, absolutely not. He's saying, I love you. And if you'll let me be a spiritual dad in your life, I will. And if you actually read the next part, it's kind of funny. I'll let you read the next part at home. But he's really saying, look, it's not just that I want to be a spiritual dad in your life. I want you to be spiritual moms and dads. I love how he opens all his letters, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. Everybody say this with me out loud. Brothers and sisters. You see, again, God's blessing on your life is meant to be generational, passed on. And you can have spiritual sons and daughters. And God, I believe, in Rock of Grace is raising up more and more spiritual moms and dads. I saw it firsthand. I saw it firsthand at a restaurant this week. I saw a woman in her maybe early 40s, late 30s meeting with two girls that were teenagers just talking about God. Love it. Spiritual daughters. Amen? I don't know. Just slip your hand up if you have somebody in your life. It's a life group leader. It's uh, maybe it was Pastor Mark. Maybe it's myself. I don't know who. But there's someone in your life that you go to. You, you would consider them like a spiritual dad. Like that person has really shaped my life spiritually. They've been with you one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. It's beautiful. Keep your hand up if that's priceless to you. Now, I want you to think, you can be that to someone else. My favorite time in the week is meeting with a few guys that I meet with once a week or once a month. And we talk about the Lord and I look in their eyes and I tell them what I believe and what I see in them. I want to look at the story of Elijah and Elisha. How many of you guys were here when we talked about that, right? Elijah, Elijah passed it down to Elisha. Okay, he passed it down. But what happened to Elisha? Let's read about it. What's a spiritual heir? What is a spiritual son or daughter? Right? We understand this inheritance when it comes to money in the bank or a business that's left behind with instructions, maybe a last will, a testament, to determine who receives what. And those who receive an inheritance don't have to worry about starting anything because they're being given what's being given. They can focus now on growing and expanding what's being given. The same principles apply in the spiritual realm. And those that have gone before us to be spiritual moms and dads, they deposit something in us that is priceless. And now I see it all the time. I look at, I look at Dave and Shane, I look at my parents, and I see the way they pass down, not only to their children, but to their son-in-laws and their daughter-in-laws. And now you, I, 
I don't know how many life groups Emily and Ashley have. It's like 25, I think, at this point. But there's like nonstop ministry flowing out of their life because of spiritual moms and dads. Your impact can be multiplied, hear me, multiplied when you say there's people in my life that I'm not just going to see on Sundays, but I'm going to spend some time with and I'm going to pour into them. I'm going to read the Bible with them. I'm going to read a devotional with them and we're going to do life together and I'm gonna, I want to be a spiritual mom and dad, mom or dad to this person. Let's go back to Elijah. Look at this. In the Old Testament, we see this example. Elisha requested this double portion anointing. We talked about this from his spiritual father, Elijah. However, when Elisha became ill and was preparing for death, he had no one to pass on the anointing to. Think about that. Elijah had passed it on to him and put a cloak on him. You guys remember that story? He burned the plow, killed the cow, right? That whole thing. We talked about that last week. <laughs> right? Elisha now moves forward in ministry, does all these miracles. 2 Kings 13, though, says that Elisha's deathbed, he makes this attempt to encourage the Israelite king Joash to defeat Israel's enemies, the Armenians. Perhaps the king would be the one to carry on Elisha's mandate to guide Israel into victory. Unfortunately, though, King Joash's half-hearted response to Elisha's challenge reveals this is not the case. And here's how his ministry ends. Elisha died and was buried. Everybody just go. Come on. Thank you. That little, little infinite help, help me out over there, little infant. Here we go. Everybody just go, that's the worst ending to a story of all time. Because see, Elijah ends his life and he's going up in a blaze of glory, right? Like Bon Jovi was maybe playing. I don't know what's with me, but Bon Jovi this month. Right? The blaze of glory. Anyway, the coat, come, the coat goes on Elisha and he does twice as many miracles and the, and the kingdom keeps building. Can you see that? Elisha dies. That's it. Now what happens later? Anybody know the story? Just nod along if you know the story. Just put your eyebrows up if you know the story. Just shake your head if you have no idea. Okay, y'all need to read your Bibles. I'll forgive you this time. Here we go. With no one to carry on this anointing, the power in Elisha's bones was stuck in a grave. When it should have been alive in a son. Turn to your neighbor and say this. Your spouse, the random guy you don't know. Look at them in the eyes and say, Elisha's anointing was stuck in a grave instead of alive in a son. The fulfillment of what we see with spiritual fathering takes place, right, with John the Baptist. He's even called Elijah. 
as he prepares the way for Jesus. John's ministry, it's impressive, but it paled in comparison to the one, Jesus, who would come. But what did Jesus say in John 17? You will do even greater things than I have done. Do you know why? He has the heart of a father. A father always wants to see his sons and daughters do more, go further, be stronger. Amen? The heart of a father, the heart of a mother is that their children would succeed and would do more and build the kingdom of God more than they've ever done. So I want to ask you today, who is in your life that you can start discipling and pouring into? And I know what you're thinking. Because usually when I ask this kind of question, sometimes one-on-one, -on -one, people will say, well, I don't know how to do that. I didn't know how to do that right after I left Bible college. I have a seminary degree on my wall, right? But I still was scared to do that. But when I started doing that, just opening up the Bible over a cup of coffee with someone, the Holy Spirit just leads you. You read something and that person you're mentoring says, I just read that. And it's like mind-blowing how the Holy Spirit, come on, some of you are already nodding along because you see this happen all the time. You're already doing this or you're in a life group where the Holy Spirit leads you and guides you. It's amazing. Why? Because the same way the disciples followed Jesus step by step is the same way you and I follow the Holy Spirit. Come on, hold your chest if you're getting this right here. The same way, the same way that the disciples followed Jesus is the same way that you follow the Spirit. And that's the life of adventure. That's the life where Holy Spirit will say to Jim Richards, hey, psst, I want you to. And he's like, oh, really, God, do you think we can do that? And Jesus is like, yes, we're going to do that. And Jim's like, I'm scared. Maybe I'm prophesying, I don't know. But we might say, I don't know, that's scary. And Jesus is like, it's cool. We got this. I'm already going before you. And then guess what happens? A brother in Christ... This happens all the time. We'll come up to that person and say, hey, I was praying for you this week and I just thought, <laughs> right? How many have that happen? A brother in Christ reminds you prophetically. They don't even know they're prophesying. They remind you. They tell you the very thing God's speaking to your heart about. How many love that about God? I don't know how he does it. It blows my mind. I don't know how he does it. But here's the thing. A spiritual mother or father, your goal is for those who follow you to do even greater things than you. That's why I've, I've been on the campus with Andrew when we were looking at the building and I, I look him in the eyes and I say, Andrew, I believe you're going to outgrow this thing by three. We're going to need a new building in three years, five years. I believe in your ministry. I believe in your ministry. I remember I had one pa pastor ask me one time, I took him out to eat, he was a guest speaker, and he said, what happens if another campus gets bigger than yours? I say, praise God, it's not mine. What are you talking about my campus? It's Jesus' campus. I just, I'm just here with a shovel. I'm just here to serve, right? If God wants me to do this, like I want them to succeed. Why? God puts in you. Come on, put, everybody put, your, put your hand on your head. I know, put your hands on your heart, your head. It's all over doing the Macarena today. <laughs> put your hand. <laughs> I won't point out. Somebody just went, okay. All right, here we go. Put your hand on your head. 
Because this is where the battle is. This is where the battle is. Satan will say, yeah, but it, it, it's about you. No, it's not. Come on, put, keep your hand right there in your head. Satan will say, yeah, but what about you? That's where you go, it's not about me. Put your hand on your heart because these two things are connected. Don't worry, we won't do the Macarena, you know. <laughs> where are we at right now? The heart? Okay, the heart. Whoa, watch that step. <laughs> Almost fell off. Right here is where God tests your character. But it, your character that's in your heart, I know I'm all off script, Ruth, I'm so sorry. Your character that's in your heart goes here. To your thoughts. That's why, I saw, that's why Proverbs says the thoughts of the heart are known by God. Who can know? Who can know the spirit of a man but the spirit of God? God knows your thoughts. And from your heart, a lot of people think that these two things are not connected. No, they are one and the same. The thoughts of your mind reveal the character of your heart. And a lot of times, the thoughts of our heart are revealed by what? What we speak. It's like what Jesus said, right? Out of the heart, the mouth. And a lot of times we are speaking only about our needs and our wants. How many ever, come on, just be honest with me, you've done that, right? How many do that like every day, right? Like before 7 a.m., you're already like, what's in it for me today? Come on, right? I actually told my kids the other day, they were, kept asking me, I need a spoon, I need a bowl, I need a napkin. I said, I am not your custodian. Come over here. Come on. This is some parenting. You, got, you received that. I said, you serve yourself today. <laughs> In fact, I said, you serve me. No. That was a real story, by the way. It was not very pastoral. But here's the thing. God wants to make you a spiritual mom and daughter. And God wants to take rock of grace, and it has been taking rock of grace, into a time of multiplication. Because hear me, healthy things grow and multiply. <laughs> Siri, I do not need you right now. That was creepy. I'm on airplane mode. I don't even know. Oh, I was on airplane mode. <laughs> I found this on the web. Ain't nobody need you, Siri. I need spirit, not Siri. All right. That threw me off big time. I don't know where I'm at. I know, right? Like Siri, I don't even know. I think I'm on page eight. I don't know. But here we go. <laughs> that was really funny. Um, I want to put up our church multiplication slides. We're going to do a little vision for just the last ten minutes. All right. How many have been here in the last three years? And so in 2017, you heard me, uh, well, at the end of 2008, we, we talked about planting uh, 10 cities, 10 churches, 10 years. Right? So I won't tell you the whole story for the sake of time, but God has a specific uh, assignment on every church uh, and on every pastor. And God confirmed that. Uh, through Aliano, through John Farmwald, through multiple people, God made it clear that we were supposed to start 10 churches. Now, if that makes you scared, yes, I was scared too. But now we're seeing the fulfillment of it, which is so beautiful. 
I want to put up a slide from Andrew's launch service, if we can skip to that. Four salvations, 100 people, now 65 people last week. Can we give God glory? Because here's what happened. Here's what happened. We said we're going to go from believer to disciple. Right? We said, thank you, Ardeen, but let's get everybody this time. We said, we said this, we're going to go from believer to disciple. And then we're going to go from disciple to disciple maker so that we transform Trumbull because the kingdom of God is always growing and expanding and moving and challenging us to be not okay with status quo, to be not okay with people who are hurting and dying of drug addiction and, and orphans that need care. And Holy Spirit put in all of our hearts, and it was beautiful because it wasn't just me and Danielle. It was multiple people in this congregation saying, Jordan, I don't know what it is, but God wants me to do something. God wants me to serve. And, and the minute we started talking about foster care, the minute we started talking about these things, it's like God started doing it. The minute we said, hey, we're going to need a hospitality team, we're going to need a technology team, and we're going to need a worship team, you had people saying, you know what, I think I might be able to play that instrument. I can, I can open the door. I can come early. I can set out communion. And now you had believers becoming servants and disciples, which is so cool, so cool. And so I want to tell you a little bit about the how, though. We talked about this almost a year ago, but it's been so long, I wanted to give you just a quick refresher. We have these three campuses that are Rock of Grace. What does the Rock of Grace campus mean? It means we're trying to multiply like the book of Acts. We're trying to say, hey, we're going to birth out of this house two campuses, but for their ensured success, we're going to have the same values, the same vision, the same vehicles, and the same VIPs. And just because I like this, the letter V, come on. We're going to send some people out of this house to go start that work, believing God will multiply it. Just like God can multiply the loaves and fishes, God can multiply our efforts, and we're going to reach more people. So we share values, we share name, we have one budget, we have one board. It's, it's beautiful, it's awesome. So how, how about these other seven? Let's go to that slide. These other seven are going to be autonomous churches. Everybody say autonomous. That means they uh, have their own name. They have their own uh, vision. They have their own board. We are not governing them. So what are we doing? We are, and this is a lot of Zoom meetings with other churches who's done that. We're not winging it. We're asking God, how do other churches do this well and what can we learn, right? So what I've learned, every model is different. Uh, C3, they do, they do uh, $20,000 and they've already planted 22 churches. That's amazing. They're literally transforming Columbus for Jesus. How many say that's awesome? <laughs> Right? But you talk to Conan, he's like, I didn't know what we were doing at first. We just said yes. And then you start learning, right? Some churches, they will buy the building, right? So we're not doing that. What we're doing is this kind of this, um, our own thing of we're believing for $50,000, $25,000 they pay back on a loan over five years, $25,000 they keep. That way we're helping them get started. So they get coaching, care, and cash. Because how many believe they need a spiritual father? They need a spiritual father. That's the number one thing we keep seeing when I go to these conferences is a lot of church planners, they step out and they don't have a spiritual dad or a network. They don't have somebody to go to Monday morning, you know, and, and talk and learn. And so what we want to do is say, hey, once a month we're going to have breakfast together. 
We're going to talk about what God's doing. We're going to pray for each other and support one another, brother to brother, shoulder to shoulder, right? And give them that care. And then we're also going to provide coaching, right? So we're going to walk them through a process of developing a clear uh, church name, a clear vision, uh, a clear strategy on what systems and tools they're going to use to succeed, right? And I am so thankful for the faithfulness of this body. So thankful. In fact, I, I've seen, I've been blown away that in the midst, I need you to hear me, in the midst of a pandemic, our 10 cities vision didn't stop. That's a miracle to me. I've even had some pastors tell me, you weren't, you didn't just like quit that and put it on hold? I'm like, Jesus ain't on hold. Right? So God is building his kingdom. And what's remarkable is the number of people who says, I can, I can go serve. Even if it's once a month, twice a month. Some, some people, it's every, every week. They said, let me serve at the Warren campus or Corland campus every week. What I'm believing for now, though, is now we've created this gap, right? We had about half of each launch team uh, come from the Kinsman campus. So we had about 20 people, and about 12 in Warren came right from here. Well, what does that do? That creates a hole here. So I just want to reiterate, you are needed in the kingdom of God. You're needed. Turn to your friend right now and say, you're needed. You're needed. Because there's times, there's some of you moms and dads that I, we're, we are counting. We're counting on you saying, I'll serve an RSK once a month. Or I'll serve, I'll hold these, I'll hold destiny this beautiful baby is just like got my heart today. <laughs> I will hold babies like that once a month, twice a month. How many would say raise your hand if you, now don't raise your hand if you don't mean it. <laughs> How many raise your hand and you say I can serve 12 times a year if you think you can serve 12 times a year. In fact, I'm going to ask you to stand up if you think you can serve 12 times a year. Be brave. Don't do it if you don't mean it. If you say I can serve it's awesome. If you say once a month, I can serve either on hospitality, I can open the door. Some of you are like, oh, I thought it was just nursery. I'm staying down. This is not just nursery, y'all. If you think you could say, I can open the door, I can be a greeter. Now I can see about half of those who are sitting down are still, they're already on teams. That's why you're sitting down. There are, there are gatekeepers and ushers in this beautiful worship team. All right, you may be seated. I, and that wasn't planned, so hopefully it's, it's okay that, I want you to understand when a lot of churches start to go downhill is when they do this. They become inward, inward focused. But today, who's with me that you're going to say, when I come to church, I'm looking for the guest. Because I've been following Jesus 10 years and I know what he's done in my life and I'm going to make sure God does something in their life. Come on. Stand up to your feet, everybody, all, all together. If you say, this is, this is my prayer. That God can do something unbelievable. Because what you have to realize is when a guest comes in, and it's their first time, sometimes they are still, you got to hear me, guys. Sometimes they're mad at God because of what happened to them five years ago. Sometimes they're mad at God because of something they experienced at their last church. Somebody might have said something completely out of line and, and, and they conflated those two things, God and someone at church. How many have ever, we've all done that. 
But what I believe is every person who walks in here is a child of God. Whether they're home and at joy yet or a prodigal, they're a child of God. They're a child of God and they need welcomed in by the brothers and the sisters. Everybody say, that's me. Come on, they need welcomed. When they walk through the door, now they're coming to our house a lot. They're coming to different families a lot. This month alone, I added up and I got up to 16 people at the Beal house. That's a lot of toddlers and a lot of juice. It's a lot of craziness. They actually want to get saved just to get out the house by the time they're done being in my house. But here's what I'm asking you. Will you have them over your house? Will you do what Jesus did and make breakfast, make a meal for them and say, I've been poured into, now I'm ready to pour out. I've been fathered, I've been mothered, now I'm ready to be a spiritual mom or a spiritual dad. And again, I know what some of you are thinking, you're like, I am not a minister, uh, I'm not a board member, I'm not. Jesus was a fisherman with his foot in his mouth at all times. Right? What did I say? I said, Jesus, Jesus was not a fisherman with his mouth, foot in his mouth at all times. Peter, thank you for correcting me. I said, Jesus was? Whew, forgive me, Lord. Peter, right? Luke was a doctor. So I know some of you are like, no, well, I'm, I'm really more, you know, I, this is who I am. Uh, I'm educated and I help people with this and that. And I'm not a spiritual person. We have to stop making excuses and say, God, my life is yours. We got to say, Jesus, you're worthy. Guys, Jesus went on the cross so you could be a child of God and so your coworker could be a child of God. Let me say that again. Jesus went on the cross so you could be a child of God and your neighbor could be a child of God. Do you know he loves your cranky neighbor as much as you? Uh, somebody, I don't know who that was for. But sometimes we get this thing wrong. And we think like, well, I made it in because I'm a good guy. No, you're not. Maybe you are now, right? But Jesus has been changing you and, and he loves that neighbor, that coworker, that boss as much as you. And he is building his family and his kingdom is growing and expanding at the sound of his voice. In the same way the disciples followed Jesus is the same way that you follow the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit will tell Mick, hey, next time you go on the YSU campus, I want you to do this. This next time the Holy Spirit will talk to Franklin and say, hey, when you're in class, I want you to, do you, are you getting that? His voice is multiplied to thousands of people, millions of people all around the world. And he's leading you and guiding you into a life of significance. What's a life of significance? It's being a spiritual mom or dad. It's pouring into someone else. It's believing more for somebody else than yourself. Let me say that again. It's believing more for somebody else than yourself. Can we just be really honest with God this morning? Let's just bow our heads. 
I'm not going to ask you to come forward because I know this was an encouraging but also a challenging sermon today. If you say in your heart of hearts, God is convicting you how to look outside of yourself, outside of your needs and your wants, and to look for someone to pour into, I want you to slip your hand up if God's speaking to you today. Yeah, that's awesome. Let me ask again. If God's speaking to you and challenging you in this sermon about pouring into someone, stepping in, go ahead, just raise your hand. Yeah, about 50, 60 of you, maybe more. Guys, can you imagine? We would have to go back to two services. If every person who just raised their hand said, Pastor Jordan, you can count on me, I'm going to make a disciple in 2022. I'm going to be a spiritual mom or a dad to someone. I'm going to be right there in the trenches, in the mess. I'm going to text them the same way that my dad still texts me. My dad just turned 72. Do you know my dad doesn't stop being a dad? It's the most beautiful, powerful thing. He texts all of our family. He's got me and my brother-in-law's all in the group text. He's texting us scriptures, what, Jimmy, every day, right? Every day he's mentoring us. Every day you can be pouring into someone. Someone needs to know you believe in them. I'll stop preaching in a second, I promise. I know, going a little too long today. But someone needs to know you believe in them. Someone, let me say it one more time. Someone needs to know that you believe in them. Turn to your neighbor and say that to him. Someone needs to know you believe in them. And can I close with this, guys? That's the meaningful life. The meaningful life is not hoarding up a bunch of stuff and then needing more storage units for all of your stuff. Amen? How many of y'all, you already got too much crap. Oh, I just said crap on the microphone. I'm so sorry. Stuff. You don't need any more stuff. You need sons and daughters. That's the life of meaningfulness, of significance that I promise you, you won't regret. I promise you, you won't regret that. Amen? Go ahead and sit down. We're going to close with communion. We're going to have the ushers come up. On your way out, you're going to be handed a 10 Cities Mission booklet. We're not going to pass them out right now. We're going to adjust that. The ushers are going to hand this out to you on your way out. So as they're passing out the bread, they're going to hand this out to you on your way out. Please look it over and consider how you can serve once a month and how you can give. And you might say, is this really connected to communion? Absolutely. In communion, we surrender to God. In communion, we say, Jesus, you laid down your life, I'm going to lay down my life. And guys, this last page where it says give, do you know when the Holy Spirit prompted me and I asked all of you three years ago, ask the Holy Spirit what he wants you to give. The Holy Spirit told me, I want you to give $5,000. And I was like, oh, that's too much. <laughs> Anybody ever done that to the Lord? Eh, I don't think so. I think you're wrong. But my wife and I made that commitment because I'm never gonna ask you to do something I'm not gonna do, never. And so we fulfilled that commitment just three months ago. And for you, everybody, it's gonna be different. For some of us, it might be $100. For some of us, it might be $10,000. I don't know. I don't know what you're stewarding. I don't know what God's speaking to you about. 
but we are walking into a season, and are in a season, where the people of God, like Gideon's army, say this whole region can be changed. Where every single child who doesn't have a home, come on, every child can have a safe and loving home. Our next Transform Trumbull mission, you'll see it on that, on that booklet, is this, this drastic reduction of overdose deaths. So we're praying about how God's gonna do that. The, the people we're gonna partner with, the testimonies that are gonna come out of this house of people who were addicted and are gonna walk other addicts out of addiction. And God already started it in one of our life groups, but out of addiction and into recovery and into wholeness. How is that possible? The blood of Jesus. Only the blood of Jesus. I love that we're ending with communion today because guys, none of this is possible without the blood of Jesus. None of it. I'm telling you, I've seen the 10 step program. The 10 step program does not work without Jesus. I want you to take that bread and realize that Jesus, his body represents that bread, broken and crushed for you so you could be his brother or sister, so he could be your older brother, so you could have a forever family with God as your father. Are you thankful for that? If you're thankful for that, just hold up that bread and say, thank you, Jesus. After you thanked him, go ahead and partake. After Jesus passed out the bread, he looked at this, this wine and he told them that this wine was representing his blood that would be shed for them, that would purify them of all their sin. And I know I shared this the last two communion that we did. We do communion once a month. I want to tell you, it's, it's so powerful to me though. I got to tell you again that what he said next was the same phrase that we say in America for till death do us part when we're, when we're getting married. In that land, when, when the, the bridegroom would say, I will not share the fruit of the vine until we're again in my father's house. That was just like, that would be just like me saying to Danielle, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health. You guys getting it? It was a phrase used in marriage. Jesus was saying, it's like we're married and I'm gonna go back to my father's house to prepare a place for you. How many would just nod with me? That's a beautiful thing. Jesus was saying, I'm committed to you. I'm putting a ring on your finger. That's what he's handing them wine, but he's saying wedding vows. Oh, get that in your spirit. He's saying, I'm dying in your place so that you and I can be married. I'm betrothed to you. I'm committed to you. I'm putting a ring on your finger. I'm committed to you. And I'm gonna go prepare a place in my father's house for you, just like Jewish custom. They would go prepare a place in their father's house. So then he took that wine and they shared it together saying, this is my cup. This is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this remembering the price that I am paying by going to the cross for you.
And I don't know about you, but I am so thankful. I'm so thankful for the blood that Jesus shed for me. I'm so thankful that just like that song says, it really does wash me white as snow. My past mistakes, things I did 10 years ago, attitudes that I had last week that were out of line, his blood washes me clean. Just say that with me, his blood washes me clean. Just take that juice and say, thank you, Jesus. Say, thank you for shedding your blood for me. After you thanked him, go ahead and partake. I want you to stand with me and sing this. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Sing. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. Sing it one more time. Oh, the blood of Washes white as snow. Jesus, thank you for leading us and guiding us. God, for forgiving us. You washed us clean and you made us a new creation. Some of us 30 years ago, some of us three weeks ago. I look out today and I see people just saved a month ago. But yet you, we're so loved across the board. Every person, every brother and sister of yours loved equally, Lord. We thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being our Father. In Jesus' name.